I hope you can forgive me for a little shameless self-promotion here. But it's the final episode of the year, and 2022 it was another difficult year. We've still got so much chaos going on in the world, and now there's inflation. Now there's supply chain issues multiplying on top of all kinds of other chaos going on. So why not take a step back and look at some of the good things that we've accomplished? Something I did, this was at the end of 2021, was write a book, Kind But Kind of Weird, short stories on life's relationships. And they say that writing the book is only 10% of the battle, which is absurd because writing a book is difficult. Even if it's 10 pages, that's still a lot of work finessing that. This book is not 10 pages, it's 234, so 23.4 times more pages than 10 pages. The point is that a lot goes into writing a book, but that's just 10% of it. 90%, 90% is marketing. Marketing is an essential component of any brand, any business, anyone that's trying to get the word out about what they're doing. Yet it's difficult, particularly in the digital age, to know exactly what's working. Are you throwing spaghetti at a wall or are you throwing it down a well? Is baby Jessica down there to throw it back up at you or is that gone forever? Very easy to blow a lot of money, waste a lot of time, frustrate the heck out of yourself, trying to figure out all of these digital marketing shenanigans. My guest today is a former nurse who worked open heart surgeries for over 10 years. Then she thought, hey, I can help women who own small businesses reach new heights, achieve new things, accomplish all their goals. So she launched the digital marketing agency, Height Digital Norman, alongside her husband. She helps small business owners with things like search engine optimization, paid advertising campaign administration, things you might hear as a business owner, but you might not know what they mean. You might not know where to start with them. You might just throw your shoulders, shrug them up in frustration. Amy helps owners with all of that. She's talking about some of the things she's found successful, what it was like transitioning from the ER to the marketing world, and a few things that used to scare her, but now she loves them. She says, bring them on. We love that enthusiasm here. As I mentioned, this is the last episode of 2022. We'll be back, though, towards the end of January, January 25th, to be exact. So enjoy your holidays, however you're celebrating them. If you're not celebrating them at all, that's wonderful as well. Rest up, stay relaxed, and we'll see you in the new year. For the last time in 2022, I'm Joey Held. This is Good People, Cool Things. And here's a conversation with Amy Singleton. To kick off, can you give us your name and your elevator pitch, but also the type of elevator that we're riding on? All right. Uh, Well, I'm Amy Singleton. I'm from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I'm the owner of Height Digital Norman. and my elevator pitch, let's see. Well, the elevator I'm on is the one that's rising to the top and the one that's going to be sent back down to bring back uh, more women to the top suite. There's enough success for all of us. It's not a competition. So um, that's the elevator I'm riding on. And um, so my elevator pitch, I guess. Okay, so at Height Digital Norman, we understand that business owners struggle to bring new clients into the internet. It is a confusing and frustrating place. So we take the confusion out of that and help established business owners take themselves to the next level and scale to growth by bringing them more ideal clients to the internet. How do I do? I like it. I like it. Great, great, good. 
Flawless. You understood the assignment. Did great. Thank you. Yes, yes. But this wasn't always the career that you had. You used to be an open heart surgeon, which is quite the shift in focus. I guess it's kind of a two-parter because, I mean, I immediately kind of flunked out of science classes in high school, like biology, chemistry. Chemistry I did okay, but (laughs) the teacher liked me more than anything else. But biology, I was not, it was not for me. So a a career in the medical field just was not in the cards for me. And the idea of open heart surgery sounds incredibly stressful to me. You did it for a decade. So clearly yeah. you were pretty good at it. So what what was that environment like? Uh, the environment was absolutely intense, I would say. Um, but it's also more, um, maybe people are su- surprised to hear this, but like there's three places in the hospital that are all sort of similar. And probably the most nitty gritty is the OR, the ICU and the ER. So like, you know, there's a certain personality type that fits, like we're a high eight kind of kind of personality most of the time. And um, so very intense, very, think very oil field, construction field, loads of awful language, off color jokes, because it's intense, right? I mean, you have to laugh and everything's kind of a joke all while it's being serious. So um, very male dominated, obviously. Um, And yeah, I did not, um, I did not intend to necessarily go into nursing. I wanted to be a doctor and I let fear and, um, an ex-husband stand in my way of pursuing that dream. So I was like, oh, well, I'll just, you know, rise to the next best thing that I think maybe I can achieve, which was nursing. Um, so then leave it to me to go to the most intense part of nursing that you can possibly dig into. Um, but I enjoyed it. It was a, a fabulous career provided well for my family. I learned a lot. Um, and continue to keep my license active to this day, even though I haven't worked with it for almost a decade now. What goes into the keeping it active? Like, do you have to annually take tests or something like that? Yeah, continuing education, um, keeping up with what's going on, you know, staying relevant with information and um, and then paying the state <laughs> for the little piece of paper, which not even Probably piece the of paper most anymore. important part. Yeah, right. The most important part is you pay the state, but you know. <laughs> so was there a moment that, kind of triggered a change of let's get into digital marketing? How did, how did you go from heart surgery to, to marketing? Yeah, well, there was a, a, a pretty big gap in between. Um, so I left my nursing career, not by my choice. Uh, my body uh, revolted on me and I started experiencing super weird symptoms. I had, um, I'd gone through a very traumatic divorce. Then I broke my back. Then I had a huge, um, um, I had weight loss surgery. So I used to weigh almost 300 pounds, um, had a weight loss surgery and all these awful things happen, um, kind of back to back that were traumatic to my body and kind of spirit, I guess. And so, um, I started experiencing weird symptoms. They had no idea what was wrong with me. And about a year later, um, maybe more, I was diagnosed with, uh, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, like a whole series of the autoimmune whatever. Uh, so that took, I was actually in a wheelchair living back at home with my parents at one time. I was so, um, physically disabled. And so I was, you know, I had luckily, uh, I had disability insurance and, um, I was able to stop working for a long time, went down a whole rabbit hole of awful depression, mental illness, drinking it up, you name it. Um, nearly killing myself multiple times and cue my new husband who I just incidentally met on plenty of fish on a freaking app. Oh, wow. 
Uh, and he was a serial entrepreneur. I was starting to feel better when I met him. He lived in the oil field, or he worked in the oil field, so he lived really far away, even though our houses were one mile apart, which is how we matched on the Plenty of Fish app. Uh, so once our relationship started, we were trying to bring him home from the oil field. He was making a fabulous living um, and all that, but we were apart, and that was not a way we wanted to live. So we started looking for where are the holes in our community? Where can we serve? And uh, my husband, being a serial entrepreneur, has owned multiple companies um, throughout his life and bought and sold and grown and sold a couple of painting companies and, and the home services industry and consulting. So he's like, you know who I paid like a crap ton of money to? Home advisor, Angie's List, GoDaddy, Weebly, these people who never give anything. And he's like, I feel like people get ripped off in the industry. So we dug in, started learning. And the next thing you know, we're, um, we own a digital marketing agency and we're helping small businesses grow. The rest is history. I don't know. <laughs> I love to serve like physicians and clinics, you know, because I speak their language and medical people are weird. Like they want their financial advisor to be somewhere in the end. You know, they won't even go to Ed Edward Jones office. They want to find a nurse that's done their own retirement and talk to them or find a doctor that's done that. They, it's like just this small world community. So I can still speak the language of medicine. So I really like to serve those types of clients and obviously um, home service, home services clients. And that's kind of our two, two wheelhouses, so to speak. And I think those are, I mean, those are radically different <laughs> kind sure. of industries. Yeah, and for sure. I, like I, uh, you kind of touched on this at the beginning of how the internet is a scary place, uh, especially for small businesses where an owner is trying to do 50 things at once. And yeah. the thought of navigating the internet, especially if you're not comfortable with it is a frightening yeah. I know I've run into things. I would consider myself pretty technically savvy. I, I feel like I know how to navigate around the wide interwebs, but sure. there's still things where I am like, okay, I've, you know, I've Googled how to do this. Looks like it'll take 10 minutes. Two hours later, I'm like banging my head against the keyboard being like, why? Yeah. I don't know why this isn't working. This is a great time. Yeah. So yeah. how do you, but I think, I think it's easy to over, I guess, overlook the need for digital marketing sometimes. So how do you get to a point where it's like, th this is an important thing that you need to be investing in for your business? Like, what's that educational component look like? Yeah, that's a great question. Because, you know, a lot of small business owners really, I mean, they own a job you know, and, and they, they, they are everything in their business, their fulfillment, they answer the phone, they do it all. And of course, at that point, they can't afford digital marketing. But at some point, there's a, there's kind of a decision making process that says, what's the end goal of this business? Do I want to have a sellable business? Do I want to have four, five, 10 crews out mowing these lawns so I can go be in my bass boat on the weekends and watching Sooners football? You know, do I want to grow my business or not? So that's really kind of the very first, um, tipping point to find out, are you ready for digital marketing? Because if you are a, um, if you're a one-off business owner, um, I have a good friend that is a mobile mechanic guy is fantastic, makes a great living, does not want to grow, does not want to be somebody's boss, doesn't want to have other loves getting his hands dirty, makes a great living doing it and works on his own terms. 
hot damn, get it, dude. I love that for you. That is awesome that we're not right for you. You know, like a BNI group where he can make relationships with just one-on-one referral partners in a small group that keep him fed. That is perfect for someone that wants to just own their own job and be in control of their life. Now, on the other hand, if you're looking at, you know, I've got this commercial lawn care company and we're doing landscaping and I want to take my beautifully developed process and system here and duplicate that to three locations with five crews each, you got to be pouring into digital marketing because it's not enough to have word of mouth anymore because I know at least for me and pretty much everybody I've asked, when someone gives you a referral, what's the first thing you do? You, well, you whip out your phone and you go over to the Google or to the Facebooks and you find out what is this company all about? Do they have any content? Are they still in business? What do their reviews say? That's a huge one. I mean, social media, we're becoming socially connected in every which way. I mean, 25 years ago, you could have a horrible experience somewhere and the only people who knew about it was your neighbor, your mama, and their 10 best friends. Now everybody knows. So people are searching, people are going to the internet to find their services, their products, um, and even developing relationships on the internet. So it's, it's where you have to be moving forward in, in marketing. I'm going to go back to uh, pandemic time. It's hard to, to, I think this was just the beginning of 2021, like end of 2020. I'm pretty sure that like 1999 was like five years ago. So. Yeah. Oh yes. Very. Yeah. I don't know. And yeah. The year 2000 is always within 10 years. For, yeah. For right. Sure, for sure. Exactly. Uh, but this was the, I'm, I'm going to call out clubhouse because I remember yes. when I first heard about clubhouse, the way it was positioned to me, I was like, I'm on board. Uh, that sounds super cool. Like you get to network with people and, and you know, you could potentially be in a room with like Mark Cuban and yeah. Damon John and other people who aren't on Shark Tank, but mm-hmm. I'm blanking on who some of the other big people were. But then I got into it and I maybe had that experience in like two to three rooms where I was like, oh, this was actually super helpful and I enjoyed this and this was a great time. But a lot more of the rooms, it just felt like a big circle of bros that knew each other already that were patting themselves on the back i remember being in a room where it was like 10 people on stage and they they introduced someone who was who was joining and she started talking and then they were like wait no like we want to build up your following so we're just not gonna talk we're gonna sit here until you get to a thousand followers on instagram and they were just like counting up like as it was going and i was like wow I'm not, I'm gonna leave this room. Like I don't have time to wait for you for five minutes. Like that's let the new at everyone. Yes, like let, I am out of your group, ma'am. Yes, Thank yes, you. Quit it. I, I was I was just like let her talk, and then people will follow right. her. If they like what she's saying. Like I don't want this hostage of information transaction. Here. So that was that was kind of the last straw for me for Clubhouse. I still have the app on my phone. I don't know yeah. the last time I updated it or went on it, but that was one we'll call it a trend for a very minimal amount of time. This is really just a long way for me to bash clubhouse. Uh, and, but I'm also curious because the internet and digital marketing so frequently is changing. There's so much going on. What was good advice three or four years ago might not even be relevant again today. So what's a, what's a trend either that has kind of recently popped up or one that you are envisioning for, let's say 2023 and beyond that, people probably aren't aware of, but should probably 
learn a little bit more about? Um, oh, that's such a good question. And listen, I do not claim to be the expert in <laughs> any way, shape, or form. I have a team of 225 people that that are paid to be that expert in that kind of uh, algorithm update following. But I really think the future, I, I mean, I hate to say it because nobody wants to hear this, but I think it's more the metaverse stuff. I think it's VR. I think we're going to be, you know, I think you and I could go on a bike ride together in Nepal, you know, from our own homes and be like, it's really like, it's really there. I think we're looking at, at, you know, Star Trek stuff, like legit. I think we're, I think that is the way of the future. I mean, if they can make headsets that don't make me nauseous, I'm, I'm way more on board. <laughs> right. And if, you know, if you think about it, I have two teenage sons, one's 14 and one's 18. And, you know, it took me even a good while to really understand the relationships that they were creating with these friends that they'd never met. Mm -hmm. And then... I'm like, okay. Then I started a digital marketing agency. Now I have employees, staff members, friends, contacts that I have met and haven't met all over the globe. And I'm just like, okay, I get it. And really, I think gaming is sort of the, you know, it's the first iteration of this metaverse thing. I mean, other than being in it yourself, you know, you're playing from a character perspective, but really it's not a lot of difference. I think that's where we're going to be socializing more and more um, moving forward. Yeah, I think the at the very start of the pandemic, a group of friends and I got into uh, playing Among Us, which was, I would say, like one of the the bright spots of 2020 for me because yeah. it was a way to keep in touch with people. And similar, similarly, like there were people in that group who were maybe maybe one person knew them or something and, and invited them to come play. And occasionally we'd run into someone while we were all playing online and they were not in our group, but they were cool. So we were like, hey, we've got Discord. Yeah. Like, come on, come on in, come join. Right. And that I thought that was a great way to to connect with people. And same type of thing. Several people across the world. I haven't met everyone that we've played with. I, I've yeah. most of them. But I think that's just such a, a cool way to connect like that. Well, it and, beats the hell out of yeah. getting depressed. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean true. I know a lot of people went through, you know, went through a lot of that during the pandemic. So, you know, whether whether my generation and older feels like it's right or wrong or whatever, my parents met on the CB radio without oh. ever having met one another in person. He was like 19 and she was 14 or 15. I mean, wow. can you imagine they met at a pizza inn, like a little pizza place in real life? I mean, how how is that any different than the way our kids and our young people meet and interact today? It's not. It's just a different form. It's just a different language. So I say we got to embrace it and lean into it. It's where we learn. It's where we socialize. It's where we game. It's where we have fun. It's where we learn. Our kids learn. It's where we're going to be. It's not going anywhere. So <laughs> I don't know how many business owners I, I talk to. They're like, well, I'll be damned if I pay some kid to sit around and play on their phone all day. Well, okay. Yeah, keep door knocking and shaking hands and kissing babies and see if that works for you. <laughs> They'll die off in a couple of generations and it'll be fine. <laughs> then, yes, then we'll have. I can't wait. I to... hope your listenership is not a, not a. Like, it's 75 and offended. up, really. It's the whole. Oh, good. Perfect. That's the this whole audience. Great. Yeah. So we're giving them some tough I fit right in there. And it's great. <laughs> to be a digital marketer, I am like so archaic. I mean, I love books, you know, like in, you know things you can touch 
Yeah, I, I enjoy a good book <laughs> yeah. as well. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by mylifeinabook.com, which is probably among the most thoughtful gifts I've ever come across for parents or grandparents during the winter holidays as families are getting together to celebrate. I'm headed off to ooh, frigid, frigid Utah. Never been before. Checking a new state off the list. Celebrating with my family. MyLifeInABook.com is a very powerful way to connect emotionally with your parents and grandparents, preserve their most precious memories, and show them that you really care. And best of all, it's an instantaneous gift. Every week, MyLifeInABook.com lets you choose from a list of thought-provoking questions, or even write your own, and they get sent to your relative by email. Your relative writes their answer and can choose to add a meaningful picture. And these aren't your standard run-of-the-mill questions like which Christmas song is your favorite. None of that. We're talking things like, what's the funniest memory you have of your siblings? Or do you have a secret you've never told your own parents? You're going to learn plenty, and they're going to have a great time going down memory lane and chatting through all these fun experiences that they've had. And this happens every week, and then at the end of one year, all their stories get combined in a beautiful keepsake book that can store your relatives' memories forever, passing them on to future generations, and it's printed and sent to you. You can request as many copies as you want and even get it in audio format as well. You're listening to a podcast. Clearly, you enjoy the audio format. You love hearing good stories right to your earbuds. You can get this gift in audio format too. With mylifeinabook.com, you can give those you love most a personal gift that tells them they're meaningful to you and all future generations. And you can save $10 off your first purchase by using the discount code GPCT. That's right, because you're listening to the show, you're getting $10 off. That's GPCT to get $10 off mylifeinabook.com. You've grown your team to 225 people. So what was that growth like? Like, how did you scale that business? Because I think that's something that's challenging too. You might be the business owner that doesn't want to grow at all, and that's fine. But you might be at a point where it's like, oh, I need help. I need this growth. So how did you do that in a way that's kept everything running smoothly and efficiently? Yeah, well, I cannot take credit for that by any means. So let me give a little more information about height uh, that will kind of clarify that. So height is the very first iteration of a franchise model digital agency. Um, JC Height, our founder, is from uh, Arkansas, and his wife is from Nicaragua. Um, and so they were on a mission to change digital marketing. As I said before, you know, people pay out to Angie's List and this and that and all these big companies. But the other side of digital marketing, the vast majority of companies are very small agencies, two, three, 10 person team that's all handling everything. They're doing web builds, logos, branding, Google ads, Facebook ads. They're doing it all. No small team can keep up with all that, with with the efficiency that's required. Um, nor can anyone with just a marketing degree. I mean, it takes a huge, a vast amount of information uh, to be learned and acted upon. So um, uh, JC and Karen um, developed Height as the first iteration of a of a franchise. So all of our 225 team members are all shared amongst 23 agencies from coast to coast. And our, we're now, you know, we're expanding across the United States and into Canada with those franchise agencies. Um, 
all while sharing this centralized team of experts uh, that we interact with on a daily basis in all of our individual agencies. So not only are we able to serve our end clients here locally, like in Oklahoma or St. Louis or wherever our other agencies are, our centralized team of people um, not only helps us to share that knowledge, stay ahead of the game, QA everything, but also share the data amongst all of our franchisees and those industries. So, you know, we're spending, you know, $5 million a quarter in Facebook ads across 30 different industries. We can take our own data, not what someone else is telling us, and iterate our other campaigns to match that for more and more success because we are a seriously data-driven agency. We don't act on things that we feel like would work um, unless and until it gets to that kind of creative I on maybe a landing page or something, but the technical part uh, is very well dialed in and very attributed um, to where leads are coming from. So we can show an ROI to our clients, see that they're really getting what they're paying for. There's kind of an educational component of to sort of the metrics that matter. I think it's like, so, you know, people are always talking about like reach or something like that. Is anyone taking action? Do you have a call to action? I don't know. Yes. Like, what are they, what are they doing? Which it, it's, again, like if, if you're just trying to like make a silly thing that people laugh at, like this is, this is my Instagram strategy. I'll follow a lot of people who are, which I'm, I'm you know, I'm just doing it for fun. I started a food blog and I nice. was just like, hey, let's, you know, let's fool around on Instagram a little bit. And I'll see people being like, you've got to have like these 10 components to grow your Instagram strategy. And I was like, if I want to do all that, that I just kind of want to come here and like, you know, share a silly commercial or something or like, just, yeah. you know, make, you know make you people laugh. Be, yeah. You goal. can be consistent yeah. and you can be yourself. That's what yes. you can do. That will make a difference. Yes. That's what you can do. Yes. It's not that my hard. My captions will be great. My video content will be okay. But right. yeah. that's what and you know, like, let me like just circle back <laughs> quickly to that initial question of how do they grow the team? Because um, I have to give credit where it's due to JC and Karen. They have developed such a culture within height that is such an enormous value. Um, we attract talent from all over the globe. We have people that are from Russia, that are from Chile, from Argentina, from Spain, from the United States, moving to Nicaragua to come and work for our centralized fulfillment teams and creative teams that's based out of Dallas um, because we pay 30% more than any other employer in Nicaragua. We also send every team member's child to the uh, college prep school there because school's not free uh, and the average education uh, is like third grade. So it's a very oppressed country. It's a very politically unstable country. And um, we feel like the only way to make generational change is by educating their people. So that's what we do. We educate our employees, their children, and then any team member that's been with us for five years or more uh, their child gets shipped to America for a four-year degree of their choice as well. Wow. So we're really making an effort to make a huge impact, not only in Nicaragua and to grow that team of 225 to 1,000 over the next five years, but also all of the franchise owners in the United States and those businesses that we serve. So, um, you know, we have a, an on-staff pastor. We have an on-set mind coach, uh, on-staff mindset coach that takes us every single person from franchise owner, CEO to a, an entry-level content writer all goes through a program called Unbreakable where you identify an infinite purpose. You get plunged into an ice bath. You learn all these coping skills and mechanisms. Um, and 
and we care about who that person is. You know, we know that our lead web developer and designer is um, a fantastic guy at developing websites, but he's also a new dad and he's also a surfer and a bodybuilder and all of these wonderful things that we talk about and promote within the company and outside of it. So it's a very beautiful culture. It's almost, people talk about it as like a cult almost because we're a huge, we're, we're kind of recruiting talent from these big agencies that are not real happy about it. But People are so over a nine to five with two weeks off and some blue cross and blue shield. They want a culture that's worth going to and worth being a part of. And that's what's so beautiful about Hyatt. You feel that from content writer to CEO all the way through. It just runs through our veins. What's something that's surprised you about running a business? Really, probably what's surprised me the most over the last um, last year or so, probably more than ever, is that there really is no balance. There's no such thing as compartmentalizing my momness and my wifeness and my business ownerness and my podcast hostness and my networker and my nonprofit seat holder and all of these different you can't. It's just my life. And when I finally like was like, oh no, I'm shocked that I can't just turn it off at 5 p.m. because I have a podcast at 7 p.m. to do tonight, you know, to help promote my business and and what we're all about. So you know, this is there's dinner in the kitchen and the kids are over here. And, you know, it's just all part of one life that if you just move toward that infinite purpose that you're fulfilling, all these little finite projects like running a podcast or being a mom, I'm not going to be needed by these kids forever. I'm not going to, you know, my husband's going to die or I'm going to die or something's going to happen. And as long as I know I'm fulfilling something that's bigger than that and making my entire life a part of doing that all together, then things seem to ease up a little bit. And that was really surprising for me to finally make that realization and change. I like that. Also, I this is this probably won't go in the podcast, but is that an Alvin and the Chipmunk uh, doll behind you? Alvin, with Simon, all of them? Theodore. I've had those <laughs> since I was a baby. Ah, uh, magical. Maybe this I will know. go in the podcast. It yes, needs to. Yeah, that's it. We love a good Alvin, Simon, it. Theodore. One of my favorite holiday traditions is there's a... I think there's a couple of versions actually, uh, but there's there's a particular one on YouTube of the Christmas song, I uh, you know the Christmas Christmas yeah. time is here, etc. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's slowed down, oh. so it's like it just sounds like a bunch of drunk teenagers <laughs> trying to stumble nice. through this song, but it's still like because it's you know it's like good singing, it's just sped up or in this case slowed down like you can still hear the harmonies yeah and so it's just like a really weird like it almost sounds like your your brain is you know a little broken almost because it's just like this sounds so off but like it's still good harmonizing and the singing is like technically still good and then dave comes and he sounds like the spawn of satan yeah and it's just uh it's so good We'll drop a link in the show notes. Yes, yes, please do. (laughs) So you also have a podcast. I do. Called Queen's Lead, where you interview female founders and owners. How did that get started? What have you learned doing that podcast? Holy crap! Just do the thing. (laughs) That's what I've learned. Just do the thing. I decided on that podcast name in a one-hour meeting. I, I had been telling uh, a mentor of mine, like, I want to start a podcast. I'm thinking about a start a podcast. Or, I don't know what mic to get. I don't know what equipment to get. I need a light. I need a studio. And he was like, listen, me and you in a Zoom room, we set a date. And he's like, come on, we're going to get it started. And I was like, okay. So we get in that room and he's, he pulls up GoDaddy. He's like, give me a URL. And I was like, what? He's like, what's the name of your podcast? 
Like, what are you talking about? And I mean, we, within one hour, we decided on a URL, a name, um, branding, uh, who the guests were going to be, where we were going to syndicate it out, um, set the team to work. And now all I do is how, you know, and it's, it's got, it's getting better. It's getting better and better all the time. The first few episodes were like, oh my gosh, like we're just sitting with only like my beats, no good mic, no, just my laptop. I mean, and it's iterated over, you know, now I think we've recorded about 40 episodes uh, so far and like lots more in the pipeline that are lining up to be, um, to be recorded. So it was scary, but I just had to do it. I, you know like anything else. Like I just thought about it and thought about it and planned about it. And I just, just do it imperfectly. And the next thing you know, like my team's telling me yesterday, I've had, I can't remember, like a hundred something plus downloads over the last few months. And I was like, I didn't even know anybody was going to want to listen to this. I was just doing this so that these, so that these women can share that they've been on a podcast on their platforms. That's really, I mean, this was all about is giving them the exposure. I don't, I don't need people to download my podcast and listen to it for me. It's like for these local and other women that I want to highlight and show that it's possible. So yeah, it's been really surprising and fun, but it was really scary. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think it's, it's always fun to, this is not the first, podcast i've done but the so i would say the first episode of this podcast is flawless because i already had five years <laughs> uh, of experience but the, yeah <laughs> very humble the uh the the first episode i ever did of a podcast was back i think it was back in 2014 or so uh and i had done some radio in college but that's a whole different thing i didn't have a huge control board and i still remember i interviewed my parents as the first podcast nice. episode and same type of thing like just using the computer no mics I I don't even think I had the the snowball mic that is often the the early entry the blue snowball or the blue yeti yeah. one of those two like I think it can be easy if you're like I want to do a podcast to either go way over the top and get like so much equipment and then realize oh maybe I don't like doing this and yeah exactly we're doing the opposite and just never starting so I like that sort of middle ground of like yeah let's start right away and kind of figure it out as we go like it doesn't need to be perfect to start. If you're 300 episodes in and you're still sounding terrible and, a, and right. are not a good interviewer, then yes, maybe it's time yeah. to step back and like, let's revisit it a little bit. But I think it's just it, like, like podcasting has been such a cool thing for me. And there are certainly times where I have been like, oh, I don't want to do this recording today. I've got other things going on or like oh, editing this now, too. This lady but the seems end like result, she's going to be boring. <laughs> I didn't you know never that. know. Don't worry. Yes, yes. <laughs> I no, I've I've actually found myself to be very lucky with this podcast because I feel like everyone I talk to, I learn something from. I've gotten feedback from people that it's like, hey, I really enjoyed that guest. One of my guests got a job because she was on my podcast. No kidding. Production cool. and TV and movies. And she was like, Yeah, they uh, Googled me and saw your episode and listened nice. to it. Like, she sounds cool. Let's hire her. And I that's said, what's yes. up. I love that's what it. we're here for. Mm-hmm. That's what we're here for. We're getting people. For Good real. Stuff. Yeah. That's awesome. 2014, you started a podcast that's so way ahead of anyone else. That's awesome. I know. I wish I was uh, more forward thinking with like the monetization types of things. I probably oh, could be rolling yeah. in the dough, but it's fine. Yeah, I've always enjoyed it. Hey, I got like $2 from Meta yesterday. That's pretty good. Two bucks. I know. I was really yeah. impressed. That's pretty good. Yeah, you can get some good. I never did a reel in my life. I did one reel like last year and they're like, monetize your reels. All right. (laughs) 87 cents later, I'm in the money. (laughs) I've heard people say they're uh, 
their impressions go down after they monetize that. And I was like, that probably really? makes sense. They they pay you for a little bit and then you like get out of the program and then they're like, all right, back up. Yeah. <laughs> and they say, that's anything they can do to get you to stay on the platform. All right, Amy, you're almost off the hook here, but we always like to wrap up with a top three. And these are the top three things that used to scare you that you now love. Extreme sports. I mentioned before, um, I used to be a really big lady. I was 284 pounds at my highest weight. Um, and so definitely not like the most athletic or anything. So um, yeah, like having a couple of teenage sons and becoming a lot more active in the last um you know, five or 10 years and into my forties now. Um, it was really terrifying for me to do things like I, uh, like, um, skiing and whitewater rafting and skydiving and kayaking. And, and I've done all the, and scuba diving. I've done all of those things within the last year or two. And like, Oh my God. And like, now I can't get it. I get it now. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to like base jump or, you know, not like that, but I am definitely on the um, extreme sports wagon now. Um, so that's one thing, uh, public speaking for sure. Uh, I remember when I first joined my very first little BNI group, it, I was holding my paper like that for just to say like my 60 second elevator pitch that you had me to give at the beginning, terrified to tell anybody what I did, why I did, how I was great. I was terrified <laughs> of that. Um, and, oh, okay. I'll get deep for just a second. Um, Hi, my name is Amy and I am in recovery. That used to scare me. That used to terrify me. Uh, and now I can't wait to run and share my recovery with people because I have recovered from extreme depression and anxiety and, and, um, alcohol use. And, um, yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not afraid anymore because I think, uh, it's time for not just the community and the public and the people who are addicted to stand up and say, I need help. I think it's time for people who needed help, got help and are on the other side of that crap to say, that was me. And it's for you too. come. Let me show you how so, that used to scare me. Now, doesn't all kinds of good stuff. Well, Amy, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. And if people want to learn more about you, more about height digital, where can they find you? We've made it very easy for them. AmySingleton.net. Right there, you can find links to my podcast to schedule an appointment with me uh, to Height Digital, to our digital marketing agency, and uh, both of my business and personal speaker bio pages. So there you go. AmySingleton.net. Thank you again for, for hopping on. And we've got to end with a corny joke. As oh, we good. always do, what do you call a number that can't stay in one place? Ooh, what do you call a number that can't stay in one place? I don't know. A Roman numeral. No! Yeah, <laughs> I hate you and love you. <laughs> That's you, awesome. <laughs> Good People, Cool Things is produced in Austin, Texas. If you're a fan of this episode, go ahead and hit that follow button. That helps more people hear the show. You can send me a message, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Thank you to all of the guests who have been on Good People, Cool Things. You can check out all the old episodes via goodpeoplecoolthings.com. As always, thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.